Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Life as Leadership podcast. Today we're going to be discussing Monday's interview with Larry Brown. And joining me back in the studio to do that are my friends and fellow leaders, Jonathan Bethay and Maria Hardiman. What did y'all think about Monday's interview with Larry? Well, Josh, I thought it was was, uh, great. You know, I think the principles that he lays out are very ground level. They're very understandable. They're very just solid principles. But at the same time, this is the kind of interview that I would go back to and listen to over and over. I'm glad uh, to hear that. <laughs> over, over time, you know, because sure. because they really are just uh, great principles to, to have instilled. Yeah, and it's neat to have someone who is retired. He's had almost four, four decades years. of experience. It's just uh, it's neat to have that much experience and kind of condensed into an interview. And I'm not saying by any means that we we have heard all that we possibly can from Larry Brown on leadership, but to hear a lot of his insight is really helpful. Maria, how about you? Larry had a lot of uh, great examples of how he, through trial and error, was able to connect people, redirect people, love on them, see them as individuals, but then kind of keep that common goal in first place and help everyone reach that goal. And so that was really good. Larry was a really great example of that. So one of the interesting things that he talked about is that a lot of people who were hired at Price Waterhouse Coopers, where he spent most of his career, a lot of those people are used to being top performers from their schools and just in life. They're working hard at what they do and they're really good at it. But when you get a bunch of people together who are excellent at what they do, mm-hmm. naturally there's going to be uh there are going to be levels of excellence. So I, I kind of wanted to toss it out to you two. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were really good at something and then ended up being in a group of a bunch of other people that were also really good at that thing to where you weren't quite as much uh, top of the pack as you're used to being? Yes, I have. It's it's such a refining reality. You're in the midst of a lot of excellent people and you're going, okay, what's my place again? And how do I, uh, work with everyone who's just as good at this as I was, or as I am? Um, I don't consider myself a very academic person, but there've been other spheres, um, of my life that have brought me to places where I say, okay, I have got to be teachable again. And I've got to be able to glean from these other leaders who are really excellent at what they do. Any examples you want to share? I went to a leadership conference in Colorado and it was for like a landscape management thing. Yeah. And in Mississippi, you know, I was really good at, at, you know, a couple of things that I did is in the landscaping world. But then when you go up to Colorado, you have all these big name people and they know how to do different things. Like they have really excellent leadership skills. And I just thought, okay, I have a lot to learn still. 
So what does it look like to be excellent at landscaping in Mississippi? Brag for a second. So, okay. So marketing. Okay. okay. So marketing different things. Um, as far as like landscape jobs here in Mississippi, I thought that I was pretty good at that. Then I get up to Colorado and people really know what they're talking about. They really understand economics a lot better than I do. And so that's just one basic example. Yeah. How about you, Jonathan? Anything? Oh, absolutely. I started out in a community college and really enjoyed it, played tennis there, worked on campus, took a lot of classes, did pretty well in my classes. And then I graduated from there and transferred to my four-year university. And right off the bat, I was I was in the midst of a large group of students, especially in the sciences, who were, some of them were just naturally gifted. Yeah. Uh, but all of them worked exceptionally hard in their studies, in their extracurriculars. And I was sitting, you know, in the middle of the class or in the, still in the front of the classroom like I did when I was the top student or, you know, among the top students. Uh, but now the questions were being answered by everyone else, you know. <laughs> and so um, that was definitely a, a time when I, I realized there was a whole whole nother level of learning and of work ethic uh, toward academics and whatnot. So that would, that would definitely be a time when that came to life for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so in that regard, Larry kind of talked about the importance of, of really helping people find what they're good at and sometimes even redirecting them from where they currently are. Is that something that you personally find easy to do or has that been a challenge trying to to redirect people to places where they can be maybe more effective at what they're doing I think in my own life just the fact that I found out that I'm not good at marketing it was kind of a relief because that wasn't my area so I think I had a pleasant experience in seeing okay I'm not good at this. Let me redirect myself. Let me, you know, ask some leadership to help me find my place or maybe my niche. And so I think that because I've had a positive experience, I actually look forward to helping people find hmm. where yeah. they excel and what they do well uh, without this idea that they're failing. That's awesome. It's tough whenever you find someone who hasn't had that experience and they kind of think that you're trying to undermine them. That's that's one of those those difficult things that really uh, brings a little more complexity to the situation. Mm -hmm. Probably the area that I can identify with that the most as far as having people that that I can advise, you know, into into something uh, better or or help develop or. Uh, show a, a different vision to uh, my younger siblings. A lot of them are in college now, yeah. and that has been something that I've really enjoyed. Is you know taking them to to their classes on the first day, or helping them get the best professors that I used to take, or whatever it may be. And so, some of the greatest difficulty for me is that I have the things that I want them to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. And letting those things go and seeing the things that they're naturally good at, the things they really enjoy, and and pushing them toward those things, uh, that's something that I've I've had to learn. But at the same time, it's been great learning that because I've seen them excel in so many different things that I would have never done myself, uh, but they're great at. 
Larry himself says that he would tell him his younger version to observe, observe, observe. Yeah. And that reminds me of, of what you just said, Jonathan, of what Larry shared with us is taking this time as a young person and let me just see, let me observe, let me look and watch and learn um, before I make any of these really big decisions. And yet let me walk without any fear and let me try these things out and find my own niche. I want to use a an example that I've been thinking about to go from this topic to, to a question that, that I've got for each of you. Okay. That example is talking about getting others who were leading uh, in a place where they can really excel. Yeah. But before I was able to help with my younger siblings with this, I had other people helping me with this. And many times, several times, I can remember that I was going in a, in a direction that I thought was awesome, you know. One of those was lab chemistry and, and theoretical research, which was fun. I enjoyed it, but it, it wasn't where I really excelled. And so uh, I know several people, but especially I can see how looking back, God really redirected me. And so in a sense, he was moving me to, to a place where I really excelled. And that turns out it's actually in the field. It's not so much in the lab. Okay. Uh, so from there, I can see how I had to be moved and directed and really, I guess you could say redirected before I could really better understand how to redirect other people. Mm -hmm. Sure. So in a sense, in order for me to help grow other people, I had to be grown. Yeah. My thought is he talks about developing people. Yeah. He talks about the importance of that. And he also talks about being prepared, preparing yourself uh, before you're able to teach. And so to be able to develop other people, we have to be developed. How do we develop ourselves? Because it, it's it's something that, you know, we can listen to podcasts like this. We can we can find other people to mentor us. But there's so many different areas that we need to be developed in. You know, we could be developed a mile wide, but we also need to be developed deeply in many areas. So do you have any any strategies or any more conceptual ways of thinking about developing yourself as a leader? Yeah, I definitely value time where I can not say anything, not think anything, because my personality is to talk and to be extroverted and to love people and to give. It really is beneficial to me to grow deeply in moments when I'm in the car, just practically, right? When I'm in the car, I'm not doing anything. I'm taking time to reevaluate some things in my mind. And I think that that helps me be a better leader because I get to actually have a settled place. And from that settled place, I can grow, I can teach, I can give back. Yeah, and I I don't know how practical this will sound. I mean, to kind of go back to like before you begin developing yourself, what I found to be the most important thing, and this may not be for everyone, but I can definitely say it for myself, and I think it's true for a lot of others, is that you need a hunger. You need a reason. Kind of going back to what I said at the beginning of last week's episode, you need to have a worthy vision to be a part of. And once you have that, you have the why, and everything else is going to come from that. And if you don't have that, you can go through the motions, you can... Like you said, Jonathan, listen to podcasts. You can 
um, have a mentor, but if you don't have that that fire in your belly to actually do something mm. about it, then all of that stuff is just going to kind of go in one ear and out the other. So you really have to have that idea of where you're going, that vision and that direction. And once you have that, all of a sudden, everything kind of becomes an opportunity to learn and to grow. And you start to seek those out in a a more tangible and real way. And when you actually have those experiences, they stick because they matter because they're helping you with what your vision is. Okay. So you're saying even before you get into this place of really even wanting to be developed or developing yourself or developing others, you need to have a clear, worthy vision to start you off, to kind of kickstart you and say, hey, this is the reason why I'm developing myself anyways, because I'm going for this goal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because that's, that's, that's why it's going to stick. Otherwise, you're just doing it because you heard somewhere that you're supposed to or because everyone else seems to be doing it or because <laughs> you want to be really good. But if that's all it is at the end of the day, that's not going to be enough to really keep you going. Mm-hmm. So so one of the things I, I know based on some conversations we had before the beginning of this episode, I know we have some questions related to something that, that Larry brought up. He talked in the interview about some different types of people. This is some advice that he got from an outgoing board member that he had worked with in the past. The board member said to shine your stars, feed your workhorses and burn the dead wood to keep everyone else warm. So I know we have some questions based off of that. What were your initial reactions to that? And we'll just go from there. So I, when, when Larry was talking about these different types of people in the workplace or maybe these different types of leaders that we as leaders get to steward, he mentioned something. He says, everybody wants to be a star. And that made me think, does everybody want to be a star? Is that what I'm trying to develop? Is that who I'm trying to develop stars in the workplace? Um, and it kind of got me thinking and there's value to each one that he mentioned, the star, the workhorse, and even the burn pile people or the burned wood people. (laughs) Um, And so that really got me thinking about, um, can I discern easily who's who? Can I see the potential in each person and how can I develop them? Am I doing everything I can do to develop those different types of personalities in the workplace? So do you guys feel like in your leadership expertise you can discern easily oh this person's a star this person's a workhorse or this person maybe we can put to the side for a moment here you know i think having uh, known a lot of people worked in several different areas of nonprofit uh, education and and now in a career field the thing that i've found is that you really have to know the people before you can know what kind of person they are it's good and then also you know one company's burn pile will be another company's star, True. you know, or, or even, a, one, even one division, right? Yeah, absolutely. So even even uh, one division within an organization, absolutely. I guess that goes back to redirecting a little bit, right? Like who is a star and where can they shine the brightest? Who's a workhorse and where can they work best? Yeah, for sure. And And that, again, goes back to how well do you know the person? Do you know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are? Uh, do you know the how to pair them well with the goals of the organization? And ultimately, you have to know them well enough on a personal level before you can start developing them in a professional on a professional level. You have to know what kind of uh, person you need before you can know 
where they'll work well within the organization. So I also want to talk a little bit about some of Larry Brown's first order principles for leadership. That's part of the reason I asked our intro question on Monday about what is a must-have trait of a leader. I really appreciated some of these things that, that he raised. He said that you should keep in mind the common goal, that you should have integrity, that you should have preparation, and that you should have self-confidence but not pride. Do you feel like that is a pretty solid and complete list for principles for leadership? Yeah, Josh, I think it's uh, difficult, if maybe impossible, to have a complete list. Yeah. Uh, you know, your list could go on for, for miles and years. But for having four points, I think it's a, a solid list. Of course, you need humility but of course you need confidence as well as a leader. Yeah. Uh, preparation. There's a reason why leaders are the people who have been in that career field or, or been, uh, working in that company for a long time. Usually integrity. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that covers honesty. It covers a lot of other things. And then, uh, the common goal was interesting because, as a leader to have the common goal in mind or to keep the organizational goal or mission statement, however you want to want to think about that, you have to have the mission statement. You have to have the common goal, but then you also have to be able to communicate that well. So going back to our first things that we said about the, the essential points that every leader should have, you know, you said that every leader needs to have a a good vision or a clear vision or a vision that's worth following. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that, I mean, you nailed it with, with this first point that he, he brings up here. I think that this list of four things, common goal, preparation, integrity, self-confidence. When I look at it, having a common goal, having integrity, having self-confidence are pretty easy to detect in someone as you get to know them even in those first couple of conversations you you can kind of see what they're about but preparation is one of those that you don't know if this person has a history of being able to prepare for point. the task yeah. um i'm a person who had to learn how to prepare and had to ask hey how should i prepare how do you want me to prepare how do i prepare for this common goal that's out of my skill set um and so as a leader Kind of making sure people know how to prepare instead of assuming that they do, I think is really helpful because we can really feel like some people who were leading um, may drop the ball because they didn't prepare for something. But did we do our part in making sure that they felt confident enough to prepare and be ready for a Monday meeting or a, whatever it is, helping them prepare and bring success to the whole organization? Yeah. Part of being a leader is leadership development. As we saw, mm-hmm. uh, one, one of the quotes that, that Larry Brown shared was modified from a John Maxwell quote, and he talked about the importance of legacy and how at the, at the end of your career, you know that you've left a legacy if people can continue on without you. Mm-hmm. And if you want people to be able to continue on, you need to make sure that you develop leaders. And part of that is preparing yourself, but also making sure that other people have been prepared. One other thing related to keeping the common goal in mind, I want to 
uh, encourage people if they've not yet listened to it to go back to the previous two weeks. We had Dr. Peter Kerr on the podcast, and one of the things that he talked about actually in both of those episodes was the importance of the leader kind of being able to remain uh, above the fray. He talked about organizations as different silos Mm. and how you have different vice presidents and different directors and different people in different silos and how it's really easy for the leader to get bogged down in different silos. Mm. But it was important that leaders delegate and stay above those so they can make sure that everything's going on in those silos as it should be. And I think that's a really good thing to remember as a leader. Don't get bogged down in those details, but prepare people so that they can go ahead and take leadership in their own areas. I think that's good, Josh. And I think uh, as we're developing and as we're growing into leaders, one of the things that he said at the very end with the last few few words that he would leave us with, uh, one thing he said was observe, observe, observe. And so uh, as we develop and grow it in leadership, you know, we in some way or another are probably within one of those silos. And uh, so the importance of just observing what's going on in yep. the silo, you know, and, and maybe in the adjacent silos, can can help us become even better leaders once we are managing over multiple silos we're able to know what's happening in the silo yeah. have confidence in those who are are in the silo mm-hmm. and and also help us know how to lead each silo in the way that it needs to be led without getting back down into the silo to know what's going on well it's been a good conversation let's go ahead and go to our key takeaways for the day Maria, what do you got for us? Larry had a reoccurring theme to me throughout the whole interview about helping people reach their potential so that everyone could reach the same goal. Well, in reality, that takes a, that takes a lot of time. It takes effort. It takes getting to know the people that you work with, who work under you, who work above you, um, and honoring that process and what that looks like. And so it really was an example for me to see him be this kind of super connector and saying, Hey, I'm going to make it my business to make sure that we get to where we need to go. Yeah. Jonathan, how about you? Yeah, I had two takeaways. Uh, the first being that even though a leader may know, uh, the goal of the organization and may know where the stars, the workhorses and, and the firewood kind of fit into that, uh, just because the leader is the one that actually knows does not give the leader uh, permission, so to speak, um, to be harsh or, you know, the, the phrase, you know, using firewood or, you know, burning the firewood, it sounds savage. And yet the way he deals with those people is very tactful, very kind, very Mm -hmm. caring, uh, showing those people where they can be stars in a sense. So, uh, just because you ha- know the truth does not necessarily give you permission to wound with the truth, hmm, I guess. Good. So being tactful is the first one. Uh, the second one is is investing in people because this is a guy that was one of the top leaders in a in a business, in an organization, and and in a field that that deals with finance with money. Yeah, and yet he's. He said um, something that I, I thought was was really neat was he said, where I think I've had the most impact is in the development of people. So I don't know, he's been responsible for 
billions of dollars. And he says that the area that he's been most impactful in is the development of individuals and Hmm. people. And so that was the thing that stood out to me was regardless of what field we're in, ultimately it all boils down to the people that you invest in. That's good. Yeah, and I have three key takeaways. The first is to do what you need to do to help people give their best and to find their place, even if that means having some tough conversations and having to do some tough things. The second is to prepare people so that the people you lead can continue when you're gone. And the final one is to face the future to be flexible and to stay open to opportunity because things aren't going to end up probably how we expect them to end Mm -hmm. up. So face the future, know that it's happening, it's going to happen no matter what you do, but be flexible and stay open to the opportunities that will arise. Well, Jonathan, Maria, thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And three, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will help to make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time... Keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.